Welcome to Creative Living, the podcast with Jane Monsuris. This is Creative Living, the podcast, and I am Jane Monsuris. Now here, we dedicate the conversation to all things creative, and we know in today's world, there are so many ways to express yourself creatively, and cooking is one of them. I mean, obviously, we know the culinary arts is an extraordinary form of creativity, and man, I love to throw down in the kitchen. And besides my family secret, family recipes, the other element that really helps me in my creativity in the kitchen is the most watched cooking show on public television, America's Test Kitchen. I love the show. Uh, they tell you what you're making, how to make it, and my favorite part is why it works. And I, I always say, to really maximize your creativity, you need the right tools to get it done, not only if you're in the craft room, the workshop, the makerspace, but really in the kitchen. So joining me today is someone you see on America's Test Kitchen every week. She's taking equipment and ingredients to the test. She is the executive editor of Tastings and Testing, otherwise known as the gadget expert on ATK, is Lisa McManus. Hi, Lisa. Hi, it's so nice to be here. I am so excited to talk to you. In fact, we met. So we were at the International Home and Houseware Show in Chicago, and we met, right? And I just fell into like a total fangirl moment because I was like, what? <laughs> You're my favorite person on the show. I love America's Test Kitchen. And so to actually meet you and say, hey, we need to chat. The cool thing you told me is that you got the job on the show by answering a newspaper ad. Yeah, well, actually, it was a Craigslist ad. It was kind of crazy. I mean, when you think about, you know, what are you going to get on Craigslist? Some shelves or, you know, whatever. Right. I got a job. <laughs> it was awesome. So what happened? You were, you were already working in newspapers and magazines, right? I was, yeah. I was a food editor and also entertainment editor and, you know, lifestyle, health and science, family. I mean, it was community-sized newspaper. I did all those things. I always loved the food section the best. I've always been in the kitchen fooling around. It's where my happy place. Mm -hmm. um, and I saw this ad on Craigslist for a job, and I started reading it. And I was talking to my husband about Craigslist at the time because I was working in newspapers, and Craigslist really pretty much took over for what had been a real lifeblood for newspapers, which is classified ads. And I was like, look, for instance, here's a job. And then I was like, wait a minute, this is my job. <laughs> and I went for it. It was a long, extensive tryout process. Uh, we test equipment and ingredients and recipes here like crazy. Well, the tryout process to work here is equally detailed really? and prolonged and difficult. <laughs> but I passed. And that was 13 years ago. This is my 13th year at America's Test Kitchen, and it's been my dream job. I mean, I love this. You saw the ad. It's your happy places in the kitchen. You get your dream job working in a kitchen <laughs> testing equipment. Were you always somebody that was interested in testing the equipment, or does that come from your journalistic background to find out why this piece or this ingredient works or not? Well, it's a combination. Yes, to the journalistic part. Um, that's my training. I am a journalist by training. but And so I like to talk to people about different subjects and learn about them and kind of like walk in their shoes for a little bit mm. and translate that into a story. But the other part is I am a New Englander, born and bred, 
I am cheap. I am really, really a hater of buyer's remorse, which is something I suffer from. If I buy something and it's not right, I suffer. I don't give it up and get something else. I bought that thing and I'm going to have to live with it, you know? Right. So I don't like to buy anything that isn't going to really work, that is not excessive, that isn't like, you know, just impractical in any way. It's got to stick with me. It's got to do the job. And that I sort of bring to my work. Um, I went through a crazy process to buy a car, for instance. Maybe it's not crazy. It's really what I do. I researched stuff. I watched crash test videos. I, you know, I started interviewing people in parking lots who were getting out of cars that I was interested in. Before I ever took that test drive, I knew everything about the cars that I was really interested in. And I even rented cars on Zipcar and drove them around. I mean, because, you know, when you're sitting there with the salesperson and they're trying to make you look and think about certain things and talk to you, you can't focus. So I really do that. I literally kick the tires on everything very extensively before I buy it. So I try to do that for other people. Which is fantastic because when we're in the market to buy something, we just run to the store. We're like, oh, this is the cheapest one. I'm going to buy it. But it really should be an investment. I know when I bought a toaster and convection oven, I I had always had sort of cheap ones that you you get in college and then you have when you're single and then you're in your second apartment and then you get into the house. So I wanted to buy this toaster convection oven and I finally did my research and then I listened to what you had to say and I listened (laughs) to what the show had to say and I ended up buying the best one. And so I think it's important for not only, you know, consumers to do the research, but it's great to rely on an expert to help you out with those questions. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I have tested toaster ovens twice now in the time I've been here. We're about to do a third story. Um, I've spent hours and hours with these things, and we we go out and buy the products at retail when we're going to test. We don't get free samples or anything that's in prototype or Kickstarter. We wait till it's fully out at retail. And we will bring it in and use it every practical way you could possibly do. And we'll try to abuse it a little bit just to see how it's going to hold out. And um, we buy the equipment and stock it in the kitchen once it wins the test. And we use it for until we do the story again. Oh. So we have to live with our choices, just like you do at home. Um, and we really do try to figure out what's going to last and what's going to work. And, and if it doesn't hold up, uh, we go back to the drawing board. Yeah, I mean, so you do that in this show for the last 10 years. So you've been there 13 years. This is your 10th season as an expert, right, being on the air? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and over this time, has the testing process changed? Have you seen it sort of evolve and develop and then you're using these products within the show? Yeah, I mean, I think it was always a solid process to begin with, um, but I think what we constantly reevaluate what we're doing. We're always trying to improve. We're always trying to really dig down and get at things that we might have missed in the past. Um, for instance, when we tested supermarket ingredients way back in the day, and we're talking the early years of the magazine, they would send the grocery shopper down the street to the nearest I think it was a stop and shop at the time, and they would scoop up some products. They'd say, okay, what are all the brands of ketchup on the shelf or whatever, and bring them back and do the testing. And and I said, well, wait a minute. (laughs) I come
come from a journalistic background, mm-hmm. I say this is not good data. Um, this is only one store, one state. Um, oh. And we'd often hear from people on the West Coast, you don't have products that we have on our shelves. And that makes it less useful and less interesting. So we now use market research data. We call around and try to determine the national availability because our readers and viewers are everywhere in the country. And so we want to do the best we can at representing what they're going to see when they go to the store. And failing that, we try to show why the winners won and the losers lost. We try to get at the factors that made a difference so that possibly if you don't see that brand, you see a brand that has those characteristics and you can make the best choice. So we really try to inform people, not just tell them, this is what from on high we say is the best thing. We really say what matters and why. And I love that. So you inform, you educate, and by the way, you do entertain us as well. (laughs) (laughs) Well, some of it's pretty fun. I mean, I got to test Ziploc bags, you know, the Ziploc style, and I tested storage bags. They were gallon-sized. And one of the tests I did was I put a gallon of tomato sauce in each bag and sealed it up, and then I pushed it off the kitchen counter. (laughs) I used a pizza peel so I'd be standing back, and I was wearing like a raincoat, and we had a tarp. Um, And a bunch of them, it looked like a bloodbath. I mean, there was tomato (laughs) sauce everywhere. Everyone lined up to watch because we're like, what is she doing now? Oh, my God. (laughs) Everyone's coming over to see me stop cooking. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, at the end of the day, some of them fell off the counter and bounced and nothing leaked. And those are the ones I'm going to buy. I don't know about you. Mm -hmm. Yes. (laughs) But, you know, if we can think of a way to test something, we can be as crazy as we want to be. But just, you know, out there, but it also has a practical reason. We want to find out if something happened. Is this tough enough? How is the seal? How are the seams of this bag? Um, Is it going to leak when you put something liquid in it? Because a lot of times people will make their homemade sauce or stew or something, and you can kind of freeze it flat in a bag and then stack it in your fridge. It's great. It's much easier than using big, chunky containers. I, I love That's a top tip right there. Because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm always freezing things, but I do use those big chunky containers. But now I'm thinking I should switch up because you can freeze everything flat. Even I could put blueberries in there flat. Oh, yeah, definitely. Huh. We also do things like we'll make cookie dough and we'll use a portion scoop to make little balls of dough. Freeze them on a cookie sheet and then take them and put them in the bag. Um into a zipper lock bag and then you can pull out two or three at a time and cook them at toaster oven just bake a few of them not a dozen at once and so you kind of limit your portions and you keep some nice cookies ready to go whenever you want a couple of them it's it's a good thing to do it sure is a great thing to do and by the way you have so many interesting factoids and tips and tricks and hacks how do you remember them all do you write them down I wouldn't be able to remember all these things. <laughs> <laughs> we actually have a book collecting uh, all of those tips that we've gleaned over the years. Um, and it's a great way to, you know, kind of learn from all the little things we've learned along the way. Um, but, we, yeah, we and we also have quick tips in the front of each magazine, both, both um, from Cook's Country and, and Cook's, Cook's Illustrated, Illustrated yeah. where readers give us their handy tips and we will give them a year subscription. So that's yeah. kind of a thing to oh. do. Oh. If you have some kind of good secret, you can get some free magazines and we'll publish it. If wow. it works, you know, we'll try it. We don't just take it sight unseen. We'll, you <laughs> you know. gotta try it first. <laughs> and I love that because everybody has their own little tricks that they do. They learn from their mother. They learn from their grandmother. Maybe they've never seen it in your magazine. By the way, I do subscribe to the magazine and I subscribe online. 
Like every time oh, they're like, great. what's your password? I'm like, I don't remember my password, but you know, somehow, some way I always get in. Um, <laughs> and we see these shows like Saturday Night Live and the, the comedy late night talk shows. They all have their writers meetings, right? So they're in there and they're writing the jokes for the monologue. They're, they're writing what's happening on the show. You guys have got to have sort of testers meetings. What's happening in those meetings? Well, our team um, for testing and tasting, we call it TNT, uh, we have eight people. <laughs> when I started, it was me and one assistant editor. Now there's eight of us, and it's great because we really have the ability to do a lot more and a lot faster. Um, basically, we will we meet on everything. Everything at America's Test Kitchen is very collaborative. Mm-hmm. Um, you might you do focus on your own stories, but you're always bringing in other people and you're consulting with them before you even begin. So if we have a topic we're going to do, the first thing we do is write uh, like a two-page story proposal. What is this story going to cover? What have uh-huh. we said in the past? We don't just kind of you know start like we've never read anything in our own <laughs> past <laughs> archives. We build on that. We build on that knowledge. And then we say, well, what's changed? Why do this story now? And we'll look at the marketplace. We look and you know, walk around in stores. We talk to our friends. We, we go to the International Houseware Show in Chicago. And we'll look in the Fancy Food Show in New York and other places. We'll try to find out what's going on and um, if there's a new trend or something new is on the, in the horizon for either a category we've done before or something entirely new or something that somehow in all these years we've missed, we'll research that and we'll present how we're going to test it, um, what tests we're going to do, what recipes we're going to use. We use our own recipes because we know they're pretty well vetted and they're going to work. Mm-hmm. And so if we're going to try a new ingredient or a new piece of equipment, we know the recipe works. It's not going to fail us. So we try to create a level playing ground where we're using a recipe that's going to work. We're going to measure and weigh everything and choose all the ingredients so that they're exactly the same. And then the only factor that changes is that ingredient or piece of equipment. We try to testing. be scientific yeah. yeah, for testing that. So I'm, we review it, we talk about it, and we will start testing. And as we're testing, we're always bringing in other people. It's not just one person's opinion. And that really, I think, makes it valuable. Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. You have Because I think probably in the past, it was one person's opinion. But as you've grown and as you've seen sort of, you know, the arms and legs of this thing sort of capture the American audience and we're relying on your feedback, you're probably <laughs> thinking, okay, we got to have more than one person's opinion here. And we've got to give it a real, you know, test and a real judgment as to how this works and why it works. Are there ever any furrowed brows around the office? Because it seems to <laughs> me like you guys are the luckiest people in the world you're cooking you're testing you're doing cool experiments i get it everybody has a stressful day but i can't believe anybody there would oh well uh <laughs> you know mostly honestly we're pretty happy and it's nice if you get really frustrated someone next to you is like baking cupcakes or something for their testing so you can go over there and like drown your sorrows in chocolate or whatever but you know that said i mean there's sometimes when we're really kind of saying, why, 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 do, why does this work better than that? And we, you know, that's when it's good to have other people who go through it and they'll say, okay, did you weigh it? Did you measure it? Did you cut it in half? Did you, you know, right. take it over to MIT? And, you know, we're lucky because we have the Massachusetts Institute of Technology across the Charles River from us. And the scientists there, you know, the professors are great at answering questions or being, they're kind of curious, happy people. So you bring them a bag of garlic presses and the mechanical engineers all light up and (laughs) try to help you figure out why some press garlic more easily than others. And, um, 
you know, I've, I've gone and looked at things under microscopes um, and really just tried to figure out what's going on. And so that's sometimes when it's frustrating is when you're like kind of like, why, why, why? Because we can't just say this is the best. We have to say why. That's and so cool. Really explaining like that. Lab yeah. tests is another thing we'll do. We'll send things out to independent labs and look at those results and see if that really kind of helps explain our preferences. Wow. I mean, now with this thorough explanation, I really am going to use anything that you say. I'm going to find <laughs> out what garlic press I should be using because I'm all about the garlic. A day without garlic is a day wasted in my book, Lisa. I have to agree. <laughs> so good. <laughs> so we saw you on CBS Sunday Morning. So everyone's second favorite show next to yours. And there is Lisa banging and abusing pans on a rock. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's, um, you know, it's a really visual uh, example of how we test, uh, um, not unlike the pushing the bags of sauce off the countertop, or we had a smell test for uh, food storage containers. You know, I put fish and stuff in there and washed them and then had everyone come and see if they could smell it. And that was, it looked a little bizarre, but it was a useful test. Um, yeah, banging pans on rocks. Um, the bottom line there is that, you know, if your pan, especially skillets, uh, survives a decade in your kitchen, mm -hmm. it's going to get knocked around a lot. Oh, yeah. And it's a really hardworking pan. And so we want to know, is there a difference in the structural, uh, you know, composition of these pans? Is there some something that's going to hold up to that? And it's a real extreme example. We pushed it to the <laughs> limit by hitting it on a concrete. Yeah cinder block but honestly some of the pans come out and you can barely tell they've gone through this and others look terrible so i'm gonna buy the one that can survive that and i'm probably not gonna buy the one that can't so it's a good way to kind of push the the envelope a little bit and say where are these you know gonna fall apart on you i mean it's it's fascinating to me have you ever met an appliance uh that you didn't love well, no, no, that's a lie. Because yes, you have met an appliance that you didn't love. Have you ever <laughs> met an appliance that is your absolute, by far, most favorite? Oh, boy. Um, appliances. Okay. Or tool. I guess I would have to say, or cookware. Yeah, I have to say I totally love, uh, and maybe this sounds really prejudiced because I just finished this story, but I love mm -hmm. the all-clad 12-inch tri-ply skillet. Um, that thing is just, it's a rock. It's great. It, it survives abuse. It cooks beautifully. It feels really balanced. It doesn't have any extra bells and whistles on it. It's a very clean, simple pan that really just works and works forever. Um, appliances, I've recently tested something called the June oven, um, mm. June like the month. Mm -hmm. And it's a it, it's a Internet of Things appliance. Mm -hmm. It's a smart oven. It's connected through an app. Um, wow. But you don't need to use the app. It's a great countertop oven. Does everything that toaster oven did, and then some. Wow. Um, it can do air frying, dehydrating, slow cooking. It has programs. And normally, when someone puts a program or preset on an appliance, I'm checking out. It's like, ugh, really? What does it do? What's built into that? Yeah. And how can I control it? Um, that's one reason I don't usually appreciate a program or a preset on an appliance yeah. because you don't know what's what it's been programmed to do and you lack the control over it that you would from setting it manually. So I just usually regard those as a waste of space. Mm -hmm. But in this case, its programs were really um, useful 
and it has a temperature probe that you put into the food wow. and connect inside the oven. And so it adjusts the program for that food. So I used a program. It only had a program for large shrimp, but I was cooking medium shrimp. But it knew the temperature the shrimp was supposed to be at when it was done. Because so of the size? And they were perfectly cooked. Wow. I, it's unbelievable that one piece of equipment, well, one appliance, one oven could do air frying, can do cooking, can do baking, convection, all Toasting. Of yeah. yeah. I made baked eggs. I made pulled pork. I made wow. a cake. I made cookies. I made a whole chicken with vegetables. Wow. I mean, I asparagus, shrimp, anything I found I was throwing in there. And it can I recognize food. Like you put a potato in and it says instantly, it says potato or sweet potato. It knows. Or, you know, toast or Pop-Tart or... <laughs> And they just added, they keep, because it's a smart internet connected appliance, they can keep improving the functionality with software updates, just like on your phone or computer. So they've recently, I think just yesterday, announced that they've included um, food recognition and cooking programs for beyond meat foods, the vegetarian burgers and other. So like if you put those products in, it will know what it is and know how to cook it, which is crazy, but awesome. Technology really, I mean, this smart oven detecting that it's a potato or detecting that that's a medium sized shrimp, detecting that it's a, you know, a a veggie burger technology has really changed the way we're cooking. Yeah, it may well do that. I think what's interesting right now is there are tons of products that are coming out with this internet capability and with apps to run them. Most people, I have to say at this point, still don't quite get it right. They're all excited about the technology and they forget about the food or, you know, various problems that come up. These guys got it right. And I hope we get more products like that where the technology is really actually, you know, painless compared to some of them where you're tearing your hair out and you you don't figure it out. Yeah, I tested a slow cooker that was connected a couple years ago. And every time I looked at the app, it looked like I was shutting it off. Oh, yeah. And so I was trying to test it from far away, which is supposed to be the benefit. You're driving home from work and you can check on your food. Well, every time you opened it, it looked like it shut the cooker off. And I would go running downstairs to the kitchen and say, is it off? Is it off? Did I just like screw up my test? And it would be still on. But that feeling of, like, do I really have the control I have, Um, you know, that was not a good feeling. And the app was just cumbersome and jumpy, and it was, ugh, I hated it. And and you couldn't look at the appliance and see what it was doing either. So most most, uh, slow cookers will have a clock countdown or something where you can look at it and go, oh, I got two hours left. This had nothing because it was supposed to be sleek and futuristic, Uh, and you're supposed to look at the app, and then you look at the app, and you think you've you've messed it up. So it was like, ah! That was more typical of so-called smart cookware up until recently. I think they're starting to make the breakthroughs and starting to get that it has to actually work as a cooking thing, not just a cute app, and vice versa. And we're going to be the Jetsons sooner or later. The thing about these... the slow cookers is if you're worried about it defeats the purpose because I'm away at work for eight hours or six hours or whatever and I'm ripping my hair out I'm worried about this thing is it cooking is it not cooking is it gonna be ready and we want it to work I'm scared of slow cookers when I just plug it in and leave anyway like I'm worried that's gonna burn my house down should I be over that um, yeah, for the most part, they've got it. And also, we realize they're pretty, they're low-powered items. They're not, 
probably going to explode on you or do anything awful. Um, the worst thing that will happen is they might shut off and your food isn't safe. Um, nice. But, you know, you don't want your food to sit for more than two hours, you know, getting too cooled off and, right. or not heated up enough and bacteria grows. So that's why you can't put, you know, your raw chicken in the night before and have it turn on later, obviously. But, um, but you, yeah, if it shut off, that would be bad. But mostly they don't tend to rev up too much because they're fairly weak. Yeah, I think I'm watching too much This Is Us because they had a fire with the slow cooker. Oh, that made I know, me I know. The whole industry probably <laughs> flinched, but yeah. yeah. Don't do that yeah. to us. <laughs> um, Hopefully that doesn't happen. You don't hear about it much except in, you know, This Is Us. <laughs> right, right. In, in, uh, in TV shows that are trying to make you cry that are set right, in 1970s. Right, they need a little drama. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Some unblameworthy, like you can't really say, you know, this person hit that person with a car. It's, yeah. You know, it's an appliance that went wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so it's got to be cool to find these sort of like generational uh, tools, right? So they're generational, like this pan that you were talking about that's all clad 12 inch. Like you buy this and this is going to last for generations. But there's got to be some cool tools that you found, like the avocado slicer that a guy here that we work with was going crazy about this avocado slicer. So little trendy things that we find that we yeah. kind of love. Yeah. I mean, you, um, you, you got to be excited about the generational <laughs> tools that you find, like these all clad pans that are going to last forever, but sort of the trendy things like an avocado slicer that may not last for generations that are pretty cool to use right now. We all love, there's one thing that we all love on our team and it seems really kind of dumb, but <laughs> it's so great. It's this um, tortilla warmer. It's mm. by Imusta. I-M-U-S-A, Imusa, um, and it basically looks like a, a round pot holder with an opening in it. Oh, yeah. And it has layers of material in there that if you, we love to, you know, make the corn tortillas or flour tortillas and warm them up either on a griddle or the, even if you have a gas flame, you can do it right on the flame. Um, but, you oh, know, it yeah. makes the flavor so much better than just microwaving them or something. But you can do that, too, if you want to. Um, but I like to brown them on a griddle, like a cast iron griddle, and then you stick them in this pocket and it keeps them the perfect temperature for like an hour or more. And it doesn't, they don't sog out. They don't get brittle. Um, it's a great thing. And it's, it's not expensive. It's like 20 bucks or something. And it's, you know, it's great and it really works. And we pulled it apart. Of course, we cut into it and looked at it and had layers to keep the moisture in, but not too much and keep it a little bit dry, keep it warm. And it's, it's low tech, but boy, does this thing help. It solves a problem. And right. that's really what we're always looking for. Solving you the know? problems. Yeah. And we don't like gadgets that if you have a knife and a cutting board, you this gadget is replicating those things or, you know, it, practical stuff that you already have. We're not going to tell you, go get a gadget unless it's really radically better than what you're already using. Right. It's going to benefit you in some way. I want to talk to you about the 20th season of America's Test Kitchen. But first, I need to ask you this question that I am dying to know about when I go to the store and I don't have time to make my own chicken stock or bone broth, which I love to do. But if I don't and I want to make a soup, I was in the store yesterday looking and I'm like, okay, chicken broth, chicken stock, bone broth. What's the difference and what do I use? 
Oh, boy. Yeah, we actually, (laughs) we've done beef broth, chicken broth, and vegetable broth uh, stories, and those are always so difficult because, well, first of all, as you know, a lot of them taste horrible. Mm -hmm. Um, They put a lot of things in there (laughs) to give them umami, you know, so they use MSG and they use autolyzed yeast extract and all these things that sort of fake a savory taste, and it's like, ugh, why? Um, But broth stock... Those terms have culinary, if you go to culinary school, they have specific definitions right. that the manufacturers don't necessarily follow. So they, a couple of years ago, they decided they were, that broth was boring, and if you called it stock, it sounded more chefy, and that people might go for it. So right. you, you really basically have the same products thing. that are the same thing. Hmm. Bone broth is a specific thing where it's very concentrated and they use bones and stuff. But honestly, again, it's kind of more marketing than reality. And, you know. Well, that's what I thought. But yeah. now I know from the experts, <laughs> you can interchange your broth and your stock. Okay. Thank you for that. America's Test Kitchen in its 20th season, about a uh, season, America's Test Sorry. <laughs> America's <laughs> Test Kitchen is uh, about to begin filming its 20th season, Lisa. You're uh, counting down the top 20 recipes in this special. Tell me about that. Yes, um, we are celebrating our 20th year. Um, it's actually 25 years for Cook's Illustrated magazine, so it took a couple years for the show to get going. Mm. So we're celebrating our 25th birthday for Cook's Illustrated and our 20th for this show, America's Test Kitchen. Um, we are going to be counting down our top recipes. We're also going to have all the four original cast members, Bridget Lancaster, Julia Collin-Davidson, Jack Bishop, and Adam Reed. Love them. They're all going to cook. Yeah, they're all going to cook their four favorite recipes. And this is the first time you're ever in the show going to see, after 20 years, Jack or Adam behind the stove. Right, because they're testing. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Jack does the taste test. Adam does the equipment. Um, But they both are very good cooks, and uh, we're going to actually get to see it on TV. Um, We're also asking our fans to submit fan videos about why they like us. And people are starting to do that. If you look on our Instagram and... um, elsewhere you'll see the call for videos and what we're looking for and if if you know if somebody is interested in doing that um we love that it's so much fun honestly that's what makes my job really happy is like when i sometimes we'll get a letter and someone will tell us how we changed their lives and you know in the day-to-day you kind of forget and you think well i'm just really frustrated because i don't know why this recipe or this piece of equipment is working the way it is and then you find out that what you do really matters to people and it's not just about garlic presses it's about making people feel empowered in the kitchen and to feel really it's a way to show love and to build community and family it's such a great thing you know and so if people People tell us that it makes us so happy. Um, so we're kind of encouraging them to actually tell us. Because you have such a big community uh, between all of the different platforms, which would be Cooks Illustrated, America's Test Kitchen, and everybody wants to be a part of it. So it's cool to be able to, as just a viewer, you know, give you my two cents or submit a video and just sort of pretend like I'm a part of the show. 
And they are really. I mean, yeah. even with with our both of our magazines, when we're um, when we're developing recipes at a certain point, we send them out. We call sending it out on survey, and that means sending it to people who volunteered to be friends of cooks um, and test our recipes in their homes with the ingredients they can find in their stores and give us feedback. And if we don't get at least 80% of people saying they would make that recipe again, we go back to the drawing board and we keep working on it. Um, And so that really is an essential part of what we do. They help us make our recipes better and clearer and, you know, more successful. So there are people who've been doing that for a long time Mm -hmm. and they're unacknowledged, you know, members of our team really. And that's it's going to be great to see if, if any of them submit videos and tell us about it. So we're going to be psyched. I'm sure they will. I'm absolutely sure they will. Uh, Lisa, do you dream in gadgets, really? <laughs> yeah, and sometimes it's nightmares because I really do <laughs> want to know why things are working or not. Luckily, I'm married to a scientist. He's an oh. engineer. And so sometimes poor guy has to explain thermal conductivity to me or give me pressure temperature charts when I was testing pressure cookers and help me understand that, you know, each degree represents a certain climb in pressure. And, you know, so I have my, my personal at-home resource. I can bother him and get him to tell me stuff or look at my numbers if I'm being math challenged or whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I'm sure he probably brags about you every single day. Do you know who my wife is? Do you know who my wife is? My (laughs) wife is the gadget expert. My wife. I'm sure he is like, you know, busting his buttons because of what you're doing and how you're inspiring everybody in the kitchen. Oh, I hope so. I mean, yeah, he seems to be really proud of me. And and we do, you know, I'm really always very happy when you know he cooks because I've sometimes I've been in the kitchen all day and I come home and I'm like I didn't bring anything home and I really can't wash another dish can you do it and he's a great cook so luckily that works <laughs> that that always works well Lisa I could talk to you for another hour and a half because you have so much information and knowledge and you're fun, Uh, but we're going to wind it up here. I want everyone to tune in to the 20th season of America's Test Kitchen. I want everyone to watch Lisa's uh, gadget experiments and tasting experiments. Lisa, how can, can we find you on some social media? Yeah, definitely. Um, I am on Twitter at, at Lisa McManus, all one word, and on Instagram at Lisa M underscore ATK. Lisa McManus, the gadget expert for America's Test Kitchen. Lisa, thank you so much for helping us live our most creative life in the kitchen. Thank you for tuning in to Creative Living. For more creative living, keep it right here on yourview.com.